Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode number six. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at winnebagolife.com. Those guys are currently working to become the number one lifestyle blog for RVers all across the board. And if you've been following Alyssa's and my journey over the past couple years, you know that after living in our 1994 Leprechaun coach and motorhome for 18 months with a leaky roof and all the crazy things that happened, we finally decided to upgrade to a 2016 Winnebago Brave, the retro version of the Winnebago Brave classic that was super popular in the 70s and still is today. A lot of people know it as the RV with the eyebrow. Moving into a new RV is just like moving into a new house. There are a million and a half options, and it's a really big commitment. Do you want to go with a motorhome or Class E, Class A, a fifth wheel, and the list goes on and on. And after spending hours and hours researching online between both Alyssa and myself, looking at different RVs, going to RV dealers, reading articles, and talking with fellow full-timers, we ultimately decided to go with the Winnebago choice. The tipping point for us came because of a couple different factors. The first factor being that Winnebago has one of the best known reputations in the entire industry. The name Winnebago is literally synonymous with the term RVer, especially for people who are unfamiliar with the industry. If you've ever talked with somebody who doesn't know that much about RVs, you might hear them call an RV a Winnebago because when they came out, it was just like the term Band-Aids is synonymous with a bandage on your arm. That's how Winnebagos are for RVs. Not that I care that much about purely reputation, but the simple fact is they've been showing up, providing value to this market for over 50 years, and that says a lot. The number two reason why we decided to go with the Winnebago was because they make their RVs with a reinforced steel frame. They actually do a drop test on all their rigs before they go to market, and you can even watch this on YouTube where they pick their RV up with a crane and drop it to the ground. They do this so engineers can make adjustments accordingly. They are without a doubt some of the safest RVs on the entire market. Plus, when talking with other full-timers, they talk about how Winnebago caters specifically towards people who live in their RVs full-time versus other brands who cater more towards weekend RVers meaning that some RV manufacturers make crummy plastic faucets and parts that break because they aren't meant to last. All of Winnebago's parts are made in-house, so if they go out at any time, any of them can be easily replaced. And lastly, a big reason why we decided to go with Winnebago is because of winnebagolife.com. This is kind of their media content side of the actual RV company. And of all the RV manufacturers in the entire market who are really lagging behind, Winnebago has actually stepped up their online game and is producing some really amazing quality content, photos, videos, blogs, for people who are interested in this lifestyle and who are currently traveling around the country. And all of these factors kind of came together for us to say, you know what, we think we want to go with a Winnebago and this is going to be our home and this is what we're going to trust to traveling around in the country for the next several years. On today's episode, I'm bringing on my amazing wife slash RV partner slash partner for life, Alyssa, to talk about what it's been like living, working, and traveling in an RV for the past couple of years. This girl is my best friend, but some days living in a little space and working together has pushed both of us to our limits. Let's all be honest for a second. No marriage is perfect. And when you throw in additional factors like we always work together and always being together, it only makes things more complicated. But it's been nearly two years and we're still going strong. We love our RV life now more than ever and don't see an end in sight. Hey, sweetie. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. It feels so weird. I'm just like trying to do this whole professional thing, but we're sitting in our RV. It just doesn't feel right. 
You can talk now. Oh, you see, <laughs> I couldn't talk before. I, I was told if I needed to breathe to turn my head away from the microphone so that I wouldn't mess up the podcast. Hey, we're trying to do a trying to do a quality production show here. <laughs> so we are, uh, by the way, thank you for uh, changing up our workstation. Normally, Alyssa has taken over the table with her new iMac, which I'm so glad that we have. It's been great for editing video on, but... Thank you for rearranging your workspace so we could mm-hmm. do our podcast. Well, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> so it's been, let's just go ahead and get right into it. It's been almost two years since I came to you with this crazy idea of living in an RV. And for those of you who have or have not been following our journey, Alyssa and I did a 50-state uh, trip over the past uh, year and a half, I guess you could say. And it was actually her idea to do that 50-state trip. A lot of people ask us, how did you get your wife to, you know, go on this crazy trip? And Alyssa's always slightly insulted because she's like, I can totally have an opinion too. This was my crazy idea as well. But it's been almost two years since we made the leap into an RV. So if you could travel back in time and give advice to Alyssa two years ago and inform her about living in an RV with me, what would you say both about marriage and living in an RV? <laughs> I like living in an RV with you. I I think advice that I would give myself would be like, prepare for this not just to be a next seven months thing because whenever we got the RV we thought it was going to be just for seven months we were going to do the whole tour of the lower 48 and then we were I don't know go back to life as normal um and now it's been two years and we love it and we also I mean we just got a new RV so we'll be doing it for a little a little while longer at least so I think that would be some advice I would give to myself. Just mentally prepare for longer in the RV. Yeah, because you, whenever we were packing, like we created our, our wedding registry and we put all this stuff on it, I think partially because you're supposed to and partially because like you think that you'll use it all at some point. But pretty much everything we got from our wedding and probably at least half of the things we owned before we even got married, they're all in storage at either of our parents' homes, and we don't really need or use any of that stuff. And so I think advice to people who haven't... He's trying to hold my hand now. It's so cute. I think advice to people who haven't moved into an RV yet, I would say you're going to get rid of a lot of stuff, and it's going to be awesome. And then you're going to RV for years and years, and you're going to love it. We still have a lot of our things that we got from our wedding that have remained unopened lots of skillets unopened. and random things like that towels and our KitchenAid mixer but one day we'll use it all I will say maybe one of the best things that we did whenever we first got started was we made our if we don't use it in 30 days rule throw it out yes the one month rule was pivotal because Heath moved into the RV before I did so we bought the RV six weeks before the wedding we renovated it and then Heath moved in um and he, like, he moved all of his stuff in and took up every single cabinet with, like, all of his stuff. There was no room for anything of me because he had so many clothes. Um, and he had to go through and cut out a lot of stuff. And I think that's kind of where he first got the idea of having, like, a 30 days rule where we said, okay, we know that a lot of this stuff that we bring with us, we're probably either not going to need or going to realize that we don't even have enough space for so we created this rule and we were in Washington whenever we hit our 30-day mark. And we had this huge 
box. I don't even know where we got this huge box that was just full of crap that we didn't need. That we, we got sent rid it of. home, yeah. So on days that we aren't going into the office because we've been working on finishing up our documentary right now with our editor, mm-hmm. what does a typical day look like from your perspective? Obviously, I know this, but I want other people <laughs> to hear, like, what does it look like to wake start up to and finish? work? Yeah, just okay. start to finish. What does that day look like? Well, anytime between 5.15 and 6.30, any number of your alarms will get snoozed. And I will just be very upset internally that you have not turned off your alarms yet and given up and fallen back to sleep like I have. And you will uh, get up and at some point, probably around seven, wake me up and say, Lulu, do you want some coffee? And I'll, I guess I respond because eventually the coffee will come next to me on my little nightstand and I'll get out of bed and start my day. And I don't know what you're, what you do before then, but... We both read and write and try to exercise in the mornings in the RV, which is actually probably the funniest thing in the world to see us both trying to exercise in our, like, our little, I don't know, 15 square foot living room. <laughs> <laughs> you take up most of it whenever you try to do push-ups, but uh, that's the morning. And then we both sit down at our own computers and, and work. I'm usually editing some type of video project and you are writing and I don't even know what all you do during your day. I'm usually... It's a mystery. Yeah, headphones I'm like Chandler in. being off friends. <laughs> Nobody knows what I do. Everyone knows what Chandler does. What would you You're say... You're thinking of How I Met Your Mother and Barney. That's yeah, nobody the... knows what Chandler does either. That's why they lose the game on friends. Mm. So what has surprised you most about living in an RV? I think the thing that has surprised me most is like how easily you can get adjusted to living in a small space. And how easily you can then get adjusted to living in a bigger space. Because whenever we moved from Franklin, he was 29 feet with no slide outs into America, and she's 33 feet, right? Yeah. 33 feet with, like, two giant slide outs. Like, I never felt like Franklin was too small or too cramped. And then I've moved into America, and I feel like she is just, like spacious and perfect all the time and I never feel like she's too small or cramped either um but you just kind of you get adjusted to whatever it is space-wise you have around you so whenever I think about people that say they could never move into an RV because they would feel too cramped or too small it's just like such a, a weak excuse to hear because the thing that I think has surprised me most that I think most people would learn is that you adjust to whatever surroundings that that you're in Yeah, I would agree with that. I think one of the biggest issues you and I have had, not necessarily as a couple, not against each other, but as a couple, is figuring out what does it look like to work together? Like, what does this look like? Is it okay for me to be working on my projects and for you to take a day off? Like, we're, that's very, that's definitely been something that we've had to struggle with. And we felt like we haven't had a lot of, mentors and people to look up to who are married and work together because it is such a normal thing for people to have their own jobs and kind of go their separate ways and even for that sake of a honeymoon you know go on a honeymoon and go back to their op- their separate lives and so what would you say has been the biggest thing that you and I have learned or tackled together in the first two years of marriage as it relates to 
just working together? Like what has been the biggest obstacle for us to overcome and how do you feel like we've sorted through that? And she and she didn't she didn't like know all these questions beforehand. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think our situation is a little unique because we we not only live in an R V and we're together like twenty four seven, but we work together and we have the same projects like we have the same client so I'm editing video for a client and you're writing copy for the same client and we have to collaborate and we have to work together on things and I think a lot of the couples that we've met that live in an RV they they work in the RV together but they're not working on the same things they have their own jobs and they have their own things that they're doing and so I think that's been like one one thing that is is different for us. I don't remember what your question was, but that was what I thought. It of was what do you feel it. like it's been the biggest obstacle that we've had to work through while working together in our RV and traveling? I think as we've traveled, I I've always been like the let's go, let's go see something, let's go do something, let's go go go, let's hit the road. And you were you surprisingly, I think I've been the one that's like. I've got work to do. Like, we need to sit down and, and get some work done. And I didn't expect that because you never went to class whenever we were in college together. Totally different. <laughs> Pretty much the same. But that that was my impression so, um, so getting like... into this. I think, like, the biggest thing has been kind of trying to strike that balance of because we're, we have the same projects that we're working on and we can work on them whenever that it makes it really hard for us to take breaks or have like weekends and be really really intentional about taking time off I think maybe that's more of an issue right now because we're in winter and so there's not like a lot of cool things that we can go do outside like we we do in the spring and in the summer but yeah I've definitely felt that that's been a big a big problem is and that's what people say about working from home, right? They say that mm-hmm. it's nice to have a co-working space so they can just go out and have a place to go. But if we're if our home is our office, where is that separation? Especially when we're not outside. A year ago, we were in Santa uh, Santa Cruz, California, and we were we would take breaks during the day. We would go hot tubbing. We'd go to the water and go on walks at sunset. That it- was the best. I think if you're gonna work from an RV. If you're not staying at an RV park with a hot tub, then your <laughs> your productivity is probably actually going to go down because you need that break in the middle of the day, just relax, unwind, and also at the end of the day, twice a day hot tubbing. <laughs> so whenever we first started telling our friends and family a couple years ago that we were going to be moving into an RV, mm-hmm. we got a lot of mixed reactions from people. And I specifically remember some relatives and friends saying something along the lines of, you guys are crazy. You know, your first year of marriage is difficult enough. Adding the fact that you guys are going to be traveling and living together in an RV, it's going to be really hard. And there was almost a gloomy outlook that some people gave us. What would you feel like if somebody was in our around our age or in their 30s or even 40s, and they're trying to go against that status quo that says you have to live and work and do life just like everybody else, what would you tell them? I think people telling you that you can't do something is just like one of the biggest motivators. Because it's like, it's one thing to be trying to do something and have that internal voice being like, you can't do this. You can't learn this new thing. Like, it's too hard. But when someone else tells you, dude, yeah, there's no way you guys can live in an RV. There's like something in you that just, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I think that was like, just like a huge motivator for both of us internally. We never really talked about that. 
But as we hit the road, it was like, we've got, yeah, this crazy idea. We're going to go to all 50 states. You're you're going to work all these jobs. I'm going to film this documentary. These are things that we've never done before. Um, but there was this sense of we're doing this for ourselves, but we're also doing this to like prove a point that, yes, our idea is crazy, but we're going to make it happen, especially, almost, especially since people didn't believe in it. Yeah, that's a good point. One of the things that whenever we were first traveling during that first year, there were months where we didn't know where our income was going to be coming from if it came in. We did have a sponsor that was paying us around a thousand bucks a month. We were doing a couple guest blogs that were paying like $35, 40 bucks a pop, like here and there. So just <laughs> not much at all. And you're the planner in this relationship. And I'm very much the dreamer. Like it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. What do you feel like during that time helped you, your sanity, mm-hmm. just not freak out? <laughs> so I actually found a clip the other day because... We, we have, like, student debt that we're paying off. That's part of the reason why we're still living in an RV. And we were really not, like, we didn't have a ton of money whenever we were doing our Hourly America tour. And I found this clip from Ann Arbor, Michigan the other day. And we're saying, we're sitting on camera talking um, before the job that day. And we're like, so we have $62 in our bank account. That's it. That's all we got. And we've got to make that last, like, two weeks until the 1st of October or whatever it was. And looking back, I'm like, I don't know even how we handled that. Because now whenever I'm, like, looking at our, our finances and looking at our, our runway and our travel plans, I, I, I feel all that stress of, like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're not going to have enough money to do this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to pay off, like, all of our student debt this year and all that stuff. And I like I saw that clip and I'm just like, well, golly, I have way more in the bank now than just sixty two dollars. Like, why am I even freaking out? And so I think one thing that's helped just with like us currently is thinking back to that time during Hourly America when we had, you know, barely enough money to make it through. And I honestly I don't even remember how we made it through like that September um, I remember like we broke down and we had to buy a new fridge and all this stuff. And so we ran out of money a lot quicker than expected. And like we just had all this stuff going on. And it was probably the point on the trip where we were most likely to, you know, tuck our tail between our legs and and give up and go back because we didn't have the money to finish. And um, something that I obviously cannot remember came through and, and kept us going. But, I think that was right when I started working with uh, Jia Zhang, the author who I helped him coordinate his book tour last year. Yeah, that was, yeah, we got our first uh, client. First client. But I think the other thing, as far as just keeping us going whenever we had financial troubles and whenever we have financial troubles now, is having these overarching goals that we want to accomplish for like hourly america is like well we have to go to all 50 states because we said we were going to go to all 50 states and we can't just do 32 and say okay well that was fun we'll get the next 18 sometime later um and now our goal is to like pay off all of our student debt and we wanted to do that in two years and you know we're a year and a half in so we gotta gotta hustle yeah we gotta hustle and keep working toward that goal i think the the thing that I was thinking about when you're talking about the fact that at one point last year, we only had $62 in our bank account. And I'm just not a person to get 
worked up and stressed out about money. I want to make more of it. I want for us to do well so we have the freedom to keep traveling. I want to keep working on building up passive income streams. But thinking about where we would be if we were in one location back in Austin, Texas, stagnant, mm -hmm. working a job, not that there was anything wrong with that at all. Um, but I don't necessarily think that we would be better off financially had we been in one location. You know, you pulled up some of my old mm -hmm. budget sheets from Austin and what I was spending as a single guy while I was- It was outrageous. It was outrageous. And now we're so much more financially conscious because we're always together. We know where our money is going. And so I just think that it'd be so easy for somebody to look at our situation and think, why would two people who only had $62 to their name be traveling? But at the same time, like at this point in our lives, we're, we're figuring out the money situation no matter where we are, what we're doing, we're just doing it around our lives. I think that's something important to think about for anybody who's working on this. It's like, you're going to be struggling wherever you are. You might as well be somewhere pretty. You might as well <laughs> be able to be traveling while you're doing it. Well, I think too, like there's this whole part of us that because we're traveling and meeting new people and going to new places, you learn so much more about the world and about yourself and about, you know, business through getting new clients and trying new things that if we had never moved into an RV like I wouldn't be a filmmaker I wouldn't know anything about film or editing or cameras or anything like that but I've learned so much more and become a professional and I guess <laughs> at all these we get things paid, we get paid to film so I think that's what pro means <laughs> um yeah because we made that that leap into the RV life and so I think a lot of people from the people that I've talked to use money as like their number one reason why they totally wouldn't and it makes do sense. it and wouldn't make that leap. But if you look at yourself as a whole, not just how much money you have in the bank, but your mental health and like the ways that you're pushing yourself to be a better person for us, moving into an RV has been the biggest catalyst to be better people. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And something that I was talking about on episode two with the Lindsay and Adam from New Venture Travels was we were talking about this idea of creating a runway and mm -hmm. how once you start traveling there, you basically put yourself out there and you're out on the Pacific Coast Highway or you're in these cool national parks and you're just loving it and it's awesome. And you're more motivated to continue that lifestyle and work harder to keep that going because you've gotten to appreciate it versus if you had never gotten to do those things. I want to take a shift real quick into talking about if somebody is looking to try to hit the road, say in the next six months or the next year, there are several different routes that they can take as far as making money on the road. Mm -hmm. They can try to find remote job opportunity. They can see if their company allows them to work remote or they can take possibly a less conventional route and do kind of the what the theme of this podcast is, which is what we've done, what other people have done, kind of turn their lives into being RV-based entrepreneurs and uh, figuring it out along the way. Mm -hmm. And so within the subcategory of being this RV so-called entrepreneur, there seems to be one of two routes that we've seen people go. One is they come up, they have a savings account, ten to $12,000, and they say, you know what, we're going to go travel around the country for a year, and we're going to figure out how to start bringing start bringing in money while we're traveling, whether that's through our blog, through a freelance business, through an Etsy store, whatever. 
And then there's the other people who were kind of already doing that business before they ever got started building up that income. What would you say would be the way that you would tell people to go? Or tell them to get a job or to start their own business? Well, just let's talk about specifically within like running your own business on the road. So Mm -hmm. there's that idea or choice of having to build up your own business before ever getting started and then monetize that and take it on the road? Mm -hmm. Or would you say have a savings account, you know, go travel for a year and try to figure it out as you go or a year and a half or two years living off that savings and getting some really cool experiences and trying to build up income as you go that way? Or would you say stay at home, keep working your job, build up a side business and go on the road after that? So you're saying take the risk or play it safe. Yeah, and I don't think there's any one way. I think there's a million and a half ways to do it. And obviously, yeah. but what do you, th- let me let me twist that question and say, how do you feel like option A, I guess what we did, saving up, mm-hmm. hitting the road, figuring it out, how do you feel like that's played out? And would you encourage other people to do the same? I think, I mean, yeah, we kind of jumped in and just kind of trusted that it would it would work out and it did. I don't think that it works out for everybody. I think you have to hustle. And we did figure out as we went on the road extra ways to make money and how to use our skills to... I mean, sometimes we didn't even use our skills to make money. Sometimes we would just use our skills in film or writing or whatever to exchange them for a place to stay that night or for a free meal or, or whatever it was. And so I think there's a lot of different ways that if you jump in, like, you have your back against the wall and you're going to have to figure it out. And I think we figured it out because we had our backs up against the wall and we we needed that. Um, and I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with the whole figuring it out while you're living in your apartment and, you know, waiting until it's it's the right time. But I think that's almost more dangerous because... You're never going to feel like it's the right time and there's never enough. There's never really an amount of money where you're like, well, that's that's enough. That's all I need to go out and, and change and move into this lifestyle. And so I think if you start using that approach as almost like your excuse or your, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an excuse to not to not take the leap, to not take the risk and just jump in. I think that's. That's what you want to avoid. But most of the people that we talk to, I feel like, are in that situation. Or in what situation? That they're they're trying to find ways to make money before they hit the road. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're talking about if you use that as a procrastination and, like, it's five years later and you still yeah. haven't done anything, right? Yeah. That, that I think that's when, when you got to kind of reevaluate and be like, well, am I ever going to actually do this or am I just going to be a kind of person that talks about doing this? Yeah. It's really easy to stay comfortable. I remember when I was doing software sales back in Austin and I was getting, you know, I'm getting my good paycheck every two weeks and I'm reading all these books of these people who are living really cool lives. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, that sounds awesome. And I would love to do that. And I would encourage other people to do that, but I'm just... (laughs) live in this cush life, you know? And mm-hmm. I remember before we got started, I don't know if I directly asked you this, but I remember us having this conversation and it was something along the lines of, Hey, if nothing works out, if we don't bring in any extra income on the road, if 
our documentary doesn't get picked up. We don't get a sponsor. And we basically sp- go and spend all of this money traveling around America and having this amazing exper- life experience over the next year. Would it be worth it? And would we be able to recover from that? And the answer was yes. Like in the worst case scenario, we would be okay. And I think if you can say that, then it might be worth it to jump in. Yeah, I, I like that approach. I think that's something that we've told a few people while we've been on the road, especially when we had our, our older RV, that I think just based on the outside, people assumed that we were just like totally broken living in a trailer <laughs> because we had no other option. But we would always tell people like, hey, like worst case scenario, we own our home and it's super, super cheap to live in. And for a lot of people, like the worst case scenario is to be stuck in a trailer and we're already there and we actually like it so really it's a win-win no matter what absolutely do you think that it's practical for anybody to go and work from anywhere and travel what kind of practical skills do you think a person needs to work on building up before they try to make that leap somebody might be listening to this saying like yeah i'll go figure it out Mm -hmm. but i think to be practical about it you have to be working on honing different skills before you ever get started not to mention having that runway that I talked about. Yeah, I think you need to be smart. I think you need to be diligent. <laughs> Go ahead. Not everybody is smart. <laughs> it's not a given. <laughs> but I think you need to be smart and you need to be diligent. You need to have an idea of, or maybe 10 ideas of what you might possibly do. And you need to be diligent enough to give those ideas a try. Because there are, like, ideas that we had, like, freelance writing that, yeah, we gave them a great shot. But guess what? Like, freelance writing does not pay well. Not at all. At all. Um, and so that was, like, something we tried. It didn't work. So we tried something else. And so having that persistence and giving each different idea that you have time to see if you can make it work, I think that was that was really big for us. And I think that would be really big for anyone that's going to jump on the road. I think also just reading is something that you need to do a lot of. Like if you don't read a lot of blogs about entrepreneurs or listen to podcasts or books or whatever, um, and you don't constantly have people around you who either are entrepreneurs or can speak into that part of your life, then I don't think that you can make it either. Because whenever we started, we had podcasts and we met a lot of people on the road who are entrepreneurs that they didn't live in an RV, but at least they own their own business and they could talk about writing and marketing and all these things that we were we were learning for ourselves. And I think that was like the biggest push that we needed is a source of accountability and just someone that whenever we had a question, we knew we had a couple people that we could reach out to and say, hey, how does this how does this work? What should I do with this issue that I'm having? I don't have internet. How do I get work done? <laughs> All those things. Yeah. There's a sense of we had a plan. Like we weren't just traveling around just to travel. We had an intentional plan on these are the ways that we think we're going to be able to build up income. And just right. real real talk, we've mentioned a few times that we do video work. What does that actually mean? And how long did it take us to get to the point where we we're getting paid for video work? Well, we had basically done. Did you, are you answering your own question? I think I am. Sorry about that. So, yeah, go ahead. Why don't I answer you? I'm interviewing you. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, it <laughs> took us to get paid for our film work 
about 10 months for our first film what client. What was our first film client? John. Uh, John. Yeah. We did a video, like an about me video uh, for this guy's uh, cartooning website, actually. And that was our very first film client. And since then, we've done a lot of courses and a lot of bigger type productions that have been super, super awesome. But it took a really long time. And it literally took me filming in 49 different states before we got a paying client. Every state except for Alaska. So that's 49 states, probably an average of at least an eight-hour day, not including dumping footage and all that stuff that's still part of it. And learning how to edit. And learning how to edit and all of that stuff. So you're just looking at... Yeah, film pays well, and we got started. We started making money in ten months, but we were also working several days a week filming and learning that craft. Yeah, I mean, it was like full time learning the craft for ten months, and then making money on the craft. And that's making money on the craft, not full time. That was just our first paying client. Right. There's a big difference there. Yeah, there's a big difference there. I'm gonna throw. Okay, I'm gonna throw a couple softballs your way. What has been the best part about living in an RV with me for the past two years? <laughs> Is that a softball? Or are you like digging for compliments? A little bit of both. <laughs> I think the best part and the worst part is like being with you 24-7. So for everyone else that I know that's married, they have separate jobs and they don't get to see each other all the time. And they went on their honeymoons and then they went back to work. But I get to see you all the time, which is really, really fun a lot of the time. And we get to go on a ton of adventures and we get to and we've gotten to see all 50 states together before we were 25. Like that was just like such an amazing life experience and such an awesome way to start our marriage. So I think that's been just like hands down the best thing that has come from living in an RV is all the memories all the photo albums we have. What about the most challenging part? And this could be about living in an RV in a small space or traveling or mm-hmm. working together. Most challenging part or like the thing we fight over the most? Either. Because I feel like just like the actual act of traveling, actual act of traveling is hands down like the worst part of traveling in an RV. Like, the days whenever you have to pack everything up and, like, make sure that the wine glasses are tucked in between all the pillows on the bed because you don't want those falling over and shattering. And making sure that, you know, the slides come in and these slides come in all the way and getting all everything all set up. And then getting in the RV and pulling onto the road and actually knowing which direction to turn and where you're going and making sure that the GPS is right at the perfect angle so that your husband can see it and there's no glare. That is, like hands down the worst part because it's so stressful every single time and pretty much we get lost every single time at least once i mean that's that's par for the course whenever you're rving and you're going places you've never been before you're gonna get lost you're gonna pull some u-turns and so i think just that actual part is the most challenging (laughs) so whenever we were getting ready to hit the road you were very much the planner I mean, I'm the dreamer, you're the planner, you sat down on Google Maps, you coordinated our very first route. So if you were to lay out 
mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 steps, and I'm pulling this off the cuff right here. Okay. But if you were to just kind of list out some practical steps that someone's like, you know what, I'm in, I'm sold, I want to start working towards, you know, a mobile lifestyle, I want to be able to travel, I want to be able to work on the road, what kind of format would you give to people? Like what to do, what to do first? Yeah, just what, I mean, and you could just pull off our own experience, I suppose, and what mm-hmm. we did, but what would you say... You know, if somebody was asking you, hey, I want to start RVing, uh, I'm working, I have a full-time job right now, what would you say? Um, you know, obviously, they have to figure out the remote work situation, what they're going to do. That's a whole nother ball game. That's part of the reason why people are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, say they found a work, remote work opportunity, and they were, then it came down to logistics of buying an RV and things like that. What would you say, here's what you should be working on? I think the first thing... Probably the first thing that I did that I'd actually been doing for a few years is go through your past couple months of bank statements and write out like every single thing that you've spent money on. I mean, you can use mint.com or like other services that will do that all for you. But actually, if you go through and look at how much you're spending in all these different categories as far as gas and food and eating out and entertainment and all these things, see how much you're spending on what and see how much of that spending you can cut back, especially if you're trying to save money. I feel like that's like the common thing with everybody before they started being there. Like, oh, I need to save money. So go through your budget, find out all the ways you can cut back. And then looking at what you've got left, think about everything that will get cut back whenever you actually start RVing. So whenever we started RVing, we cut our rent expenses in half and we didn't have to pay electric bills or gas bills anymore or anything like that gas but for our, the rv but, but the gas yeah gas for the rv went through the roof um but just looking at all of that and kind of figuring out how much it was going to take us each month that we were on the road and i know like in your how to travel america and in, in 2k i think is what it's called um you kind of lay out all the different ways to save money on the road and all the different things that we've done to make sure that the two of us can travel on that each month. And I think that that would be like a a great resource if you're just starting, like learn all those things because other than the RV breaking down, the most stressful part about living on the road is money. And you want to go on all these adventures and see all these things. And in most cases, you need money to do that. And so I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is the fun part because if you if you want to start RVing odds are there's at least one five places that you know you have to go to first like you have to make it to this place and for like us our number one thing is like we have to drive the Pacific Coast Highway we have to and you should because it's absolutely gorgeous um go north though south too scary because you're on the (laughs) ledge the whole time go north and look at those things and like there's a thing called um, Google My Maps, not like Google Maps, but Google My Maps where you can create your own map and plot down points and all the places that you want to visit. And what I did specifically since I knew we were going to off at these states was just get on Pinterest and type in things to do in and then type out your state, Idaho. And it comes up with awesome, like a ton of pictures and headlines. And so I could go through and pick out all the really cool things for us to do, like Teton National Park and uh, Glacier National Park. Like, those aren't 
national parks that I'd really heard of before. Like you hear about Yellowstone and Yosemite, but I hadn't heard about all these other national parks that we got to visit mostly because I Googled them or I Pinterested them <laughs> and, and realized like, oh, this is a really awesome place. Like we have to go visit here and here and here. And so I think that's probably the number two thing to do. Probably number three would be, you know, find an RV or a trailer and, and, yeah. and I feel like we could thing. keep going on and on and on this list. Maybe this is a to be continued yeah. thing where we actually sit down and hammer out a step by step practical list. Maybe we even come up with that and we can list that on the show notes for this episode. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, sweetie, for taking the time. Sweetie. <laughs> Aww. And uh, if you want to look at Alyssa's blog, it's alyssapaget.com, spelled just like my last name, Paget, P A D G E T T. And if you want to look at the People sh- can't spell Alyssa. You should not trust them for that one. That's A-L- a hard name. A L Y S S A, paget.com. There we go. And if you want to check out the show notes, any of the links that we mentioned from this episode, you can go to heathpaget.com forward slash episode six and i'll also you you want to create a pdf checklist for people like of everything that you need to do before hitting the road and we can upload that and so people can grab that from this episode yeah let me write that down so i don't forget (laughs) again thank you guys for joining us make sure to head on over to the show notes at heathpaget.com forward slash episode six that's episode spelled out in the number six and i will see you on the next episode of the rv entrepreneur